Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I promise I will not ride this bike today. Last time I had a a bike on stage, I rode it, I did a bunny hop, I flipped over the handlebars, and I almost broke my wrist. Uh, I think you can probably find it on Instagram somewhere. I will not be doing that today. You'll find out more about that later. But here's what I want you guys to know. Every single person in this room has a gift and a talent that God has given you. Your talents and your gifts are God's gift to you. What you do with them is your gift to God. Many of us are sitting on our gifts and talents and we don't realize that God has given us something special to give away. And we just sit on it each and every day and we think I never could or it's not really worth it or nobody's really missing it. No, we all are missing out. We're missing out when we don't live up to our potential. Not that this like being this great whatever, but we all miss out when we all just don't participate, when we all don't come alongside, when we all don't love one another. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of, of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that, that, that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. God has given each and every one of you a special gift. You may not know what it is. Some of you may not know what your gift is. You haven't defined it yet, but today as we unwrap the last four, we talked about Three last week, I'm going to summarize them real quick. I'm going to talk about four more this week. And when I get to the bike illustration, things just might click and you might realize, that's my gift. God, that's how you want to use me in life. That's my hope today. My hope today is that a light switch might turn on and that God might reveal to you the gifting that he's put inside you so that you might use it in every place you go. Remember this, your talents and your gifts are God's gift to you. What you do with them are your gift back to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you that we can come to this place that, Lord, hopefully for all of us in here, it's a place of refuge, a place of peace, a place where we can hear from your word, where we can relax a little bit knowing our our kids are safe, learning about you. Lord, I pray for our city kids this morning. Bless their their teachers and the helpers in their rooms. Jesus, may, may they be empowered to share with these young ones, whether they are babies being held or whether they are in fifth, sixth grade, whatever grade they are, Lord, I ask your blessings upon them. Lord, speak to us in this room today and those of us online. May we leave encouraged and maybe unwrap a little bit more about who we are in your sight. Jesus, we ask your blessing upon churches throughout the valley. Lord, I I pray for, um, Lord, the gathering this morning. God, I pray for Jesus Church this morning. I I pray for uh, um, Desert City um, this morning. I pray for my friend Jared, who's on sabbatical right now, taking a few months off, just trying to make sure he's healthy and mentally healthy and all the way there, Lord. I thank you for him and his ministry Lord, to those at his church. And God, I ask your blessings upon CCB. And Lord, bless us here at City View. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So last week we started a, a um, we, we dove into this section in 1 Peter chapter 4, talking about spiritual gifts. So last week we, we started, we went deeper into that. Peter just talks about it, brings it up. And then Paul, though, in the book of Romans, dives deeper into what these spiritual gifts are. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to pick it up in verse 4. If you don't have your Bible, the verses are going to be behind me. Or you can scan that barcode in front of you on the pew, and that'll take you to a little landing page. And you can click on the Version Bible app, and that'll take you to where we are this morning. So we're at Romans chapter 4. As Peter shared, and as I just read, Peter says, To each one God has given a variety of gifts. And he says that, that they might be the manifold or this variety, meaning multicolored, meaning we may, some of us may have the same gift, but how we use it and how God used it through us looks completely different. Because we each are uniquely made. Not one of us is the same. God has made you special with a special gift to do things for his glory, not for your own. When you do things in your own glory, you'll get the praise, and in the end, you'll get all the regret. But when you do things for his glory and his praise, he gets the praise, and then when you mess up, he says, I forgive you, which is the nicest, the best thing when you know you're forgiven. And then in Romans, Paul dives deeper into what these gifts are. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So Paul, he is, first he's, ta- he's getting us to understand this big idea about spiritual gifts. But before he dives into that, he helps us understand it by realizing that just like a body has many parts and each part has its own function. I have a right arm and a left arm. I have five fingers on this hand and five fingers on this hand. I have got two ears. I've got two eyes. I've got a mouth and a nose. And each one of these things are all important. If I were to miss one of them, I would greatly miss it. Even one finger, if I lost one finger, I'd be sad. I had a friend named Jim Ramos, a pastor friend of mine, and he lost his pointer finger. And he lost it because he was working at a, um, uh, like a conveyor, on a conveyor belt type of thing, uh, whatever that's called when you're making stuff in some kind of building. Manufacturer, thank you. My brain. You ever have that time where your brain's not working and it sort of stops? Sort of like, I don't know if you saw the news, one of our senators, that happened to him. Um, that happened to me just now. My brain just stopped functioning. I couldn't think of the word. So he was working at this, where, what was it again? Manufacturing. And he was watching a girl. So if you're a dude, be careful. And he was watching this girl. And as he was watching this girl, all of a sudden, his finger got caught in this conveyor belt. And pop, his finger came right off. He missed that finger. So anytime he pointed at me as my friend, he used his next finger over. So he lost this one. He always pointed with this one. So imagine your pastor always pointing at you with the middle finger. Nobody took offense. They just knew Jimmy only had one finger Um, or missed the important one. So you miss this one. If you don't have this one, it's, it's valuable. You may not realize it. Now you're like, I could do with that one. Well, all of a sudden you lose this one. Your next one goes down. You're pointing it. Everybody thinks you're mad at them. Paul says, each member 
It's an individual, but it's part of the whole, and you need the whole body. Then Paul dives into the different gifts that we have. If prophecy according to the proportion of the faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these are the seven spiritual gifts that Paul talks about here. Prophecy, teaching, or service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. Last week I went over the three. If you, I did a whole series, a way more in-depth series, that same thing. You can scan that barcode in front of you. It's called Gifted. We have it on YouTube, and you can watch all seven. They're each about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes long. I dive deep into each one of these spiritual gifts. The first three we talked about last week were prophecy, which to summarize it into a few words means not speaking the future. It's not the pro- prophetic gift of being able to know the future. It's a prophetic gift of declaring the truth. And then there's serving, meaning practicing the truth. Teaching, meaning explaining the truth. And just as a reminder, as we dive into the next one, which is exhortation, there's two, all the gifts fall into two categories, verbal and nonverbal. Meaning, some of you, you, you know exactly what that means. Some of you, 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 you love to be behind the scenes. You hate to do this. You, if I were to put you on stage, you would die. You put me on stage, and I just, like, do whatever. I don't have a, I have to be careful because sometimes my filter comes off. And, or whatever. So, I, like that, so you, your gift gets used according to how God has made you. So now we're going to dive in. The first one for today. The gift of encouragement. The gift of encouragement is one of the verbal gifts. Encouragement means applying the truth. The word exhort, which is why we get the word encouragement, comes from the Greek word, which means to strengthen, to encourage, or to come alongside someone. A person with the gift of encouragement loves people. Not that everybody doesn't love people, but you know there's some of you that you could live your life without seeing anybody. You know who you are. I couldn't do that, but a gift of encouragement loves people. They they are always available. They see potential in everybody. They're trusting. They're sensitive to feelings. They enjoy giving counsel. They see the problem, and they want to help fix it. They love application. Jesus is a perfect example of a person with a gift of encouragement. Jesus, throughout his time on earth, used this phrasing, take courage, throughout the New Testament. He said to the paralytic man who was lying there on a bed, Jesus says, take courage, my son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus said to his disciples when they were worried that there was a ghost on the water and Jesus is walking towards them. He knows it's himself, but they're worried. Because how many times have we been worried about what is before us? But a person with the gift of encouragement would say, take courage, it's going to be okay. But each one of these gifts comes with hazards. Because each gifting that we have, there are roadblocks, there are things that can just sort of hinder our gift being used to its greatest potential. One of those hazards for the gift of encouragement encouragement is you are easily discouraged. Discouraged because those you are trying to encourage do not change. How many of you have ever dealt with that? 
Maybe you are the gift of encouragement. You love to encourage people. And so you're speaking life into them and they never listen. Anybody ever been there? And you're like, come on, you've done the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. If you deal with young people, like high school students, that's their life. If you have kids, that's their life. If you're married, that's your life. If you're not married and you deal with people at all, that's life. But for a person with the gift of encouragement, it's easy to be discouraged because you've poured yourself out. Some other hazards that come along with this that you have to be careful of. And I dive deeper into what these hazards look like in that series. Overcommitting and overextending. Gift of encouragement. Easily overwhelmed because you overcommit and you overextend. A lack of confidentiality. Because you're an encouraging person, you tend to give counsel. People share with you a lot, and so you, you, you tend to share through prayer requests. Hey, we need to pray for Sally. She's going through a lot right now. She is ran over a cat with her car, and she didn't care and didn't tell her neighbor. Pray for her that she actually is guilty for it and that she feels bad. I, I don't know if that ever happened. I'm sure it has. Lack of comp- quick to counsel. What does that mean? It means you, you, instead of prayerfully thinking what you should say, you just are on repeat and you say what you think. You just say it. A friend of mine named Mike Foster, I, was, uh, I brought him out to speak to my team one year. and He's like a counselor and spiritual encourager. And he gave us four questions for a 10-minute counseling session. Because how many times have you ever been in that moment in life, whether you're an encourager or not, you've been in that moment in life where somebody asks for counsel. Any of you ever been there? Somebody says, hey, I've got this. Could you, could you help me process this real quick? Anybody ever been in that situation? You ever wonder, how do I help somebody? I don't, I don't want to go full God on them because I don't know if they believe in God. I don't want to be like, hey, you should pray about that or you should read your Bible. But you're like, what should I do? Mike Foster said this. Number one, ask them, what's on your mind? So what's on your mind? Get to the point. Don't say, how can I help? Ask them, what's on your mind? The second thing he said is, number two, he says, and then say, is there anything else? Because typically when you're trying to help somebody, they tell you 80% of the problem, don't they? But it's that next 20% that really is the issue. It's that next 20% when you ask them, is there anything else? that you can actually start diving down to, oh, that, that's the big thing right there. And then you say, so what is the real issue problem here? What is the real issue or problem here? Because so many times what they think is the problem, I don't like my teacher. Well, why don't you like your teacher? Well, they give me homework. Okay, well, why don't you like your homework? And then all of a sudden, when you ask that next question, what's the real problem, you realize, I don't, I, I don't, there's this kid in my class that has been so mean to me and they've been bullying me. And they sit right next to me. And so every single day, I know and I dread going to that class. And every time I get ready to do that homework, I think about that kid that's mean. And all of a sudden, you've dived into what the real problem was. Because when you just sit at the surface, people, people stay here. They don't like to get here. So he said, ask that third question. What's the real issue or problem here? 
And then you say, the last thing, which are they all listed behind me? They're all listed behind me. What is the one thing you can do to greatly improve or completely solve the problem? What's one thing you could do? Now, here's the hard part. Junior here, who just said that bully in class, and his one thing he could do is go to the teacher and say, hey, what's, what was the kid's name? Joey? Jimmy? We'll call him Jimmy. I forgot his name already. <laughs> My pretend person, Jimmy, he doesn't, like the, he doesn't like Jake. Jake's the mean kid. So we said, you need to go tell your teacher about Jake. So three weeks go by, and you say, hey, how? He comes to you and he says, I'm really struggling in that class again. I want to drop out. Well, what you do is you then immediately ask, what did you do to solve that problem? Did you go to your teacher? I didn't. I can't help you. If you're unwilling to do your one step that you said, then what else, what else can I do in that situation? And so that was a simple way of being able to be an encourager and speak life into somebody. But here's what I want all you encouragers to know. You love people. You are lovers of people. You are available. You see potential. You are trusting, and the church desperately needs you. How do you fit in? How can you use your gift here at City View? Belong groups are huge. We, I heard a story about a belong group that one of their members, and one of the reasons why we do them is we don't know everybody. This is one of two services. And we have new people that are coming all the time. I don't know. I try to know everybody. I, I don't, though, know everybody. Um, but one of our members was getting ready. I think they had a heart procedure that was sort of a, a sudden thing. And so he told his belong group leader, who in turn told us, and then we were able to come alongside and help. But we've had people leave, and they say, hey, you didn't even know. You didn't even know this happened to me. And I'm like, well, do you serve on a team? No. Do you go to a belong group? No. How would we have known anything? Well, you just should have known. I'm like, it's a great way to stay connected, to be healthy, and to have a community of people around you. So great place, belong group leaders, prayer counselors, being part of our city kids. Kids need to be encouraged. Um, City kids host, missions, new believer follow-up. There's so many different places that are listed behind me. But know this, your talents and your gifts If you have the gift of encouragement, that's God's gift to you. And some of you have been sitting on it. And your gift to God is to say, God, use me somewhere. I want to be used by you. The next gift is the gift of giving. Giving is a nonverbal gift. Usually givers don't like to be known. They like to give in, they like to give, not, not sharing with the world. They're not like the person in the Bible when, when this lady came and she gave her last two pennies and another guy came up proclaiming he had a whole orchestra go before him and he had these trumpets playing so that he could drop his money, which was less than what she gave. It was more of an amount, but less out of his supply. So if she only had two pennies, but he has $5 million and he gives $100, who gave more? And so for, for a, a gift of giving, this is a nonverbal gift. The definition of this gift is supporting the truth. 
The word giving comes from the Greek word, which means to impart generously and without pretense. A person with the gift of giving is, is motivated by this love to give. They see needs and they see needs and they want to help unlock it. Those with the gift of giving prefer to give quietly. People with the gift of giving tend to see the needs of others. These people can be very visionary. They, they, they see the potential in things. And so they want to give to future. They want to give to what might happen, what might be. They're financially focused. They see wisdom in being wise with what God has given. Jesus was a gift of giving. It says in Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. But as I said, each gift comes with hazards. One of the gifts of giving, you can, be, you can have ownership. I remember hearing a story of a person, and this church was going through a renovation, and they put TVs down in their lobby area. And this person who gave, I don't know how much they gave, but they, they saw these TVs go up, and they go, that, what a waste of money that is. Why would you do that? Well, we live in a time and culture where you don't just put sticky things on a wall, but where we, you make things go on a TV, like this screen here. I don't have a... How many of you remember transparencies? Anybody remember transparencies? I remember going to church with transparencies. You have a person that would like strategically change it real fast so that these wouldn't go away to technology. So this person, though, when they gave, they had ownership. They thought, That's, I'm not giving so that you can do that. Sometimes we can have ownership. You may think finances are for you. You also may feel like because you gave, you deserve to know where every single cent goes. Other hazards are you can be controlling pride. You can feel used. You can feel like there's no purpose. Like, what am I giving towards? But know this. You are a supporter. You are a provider. Financially focused. And the church needs you. And some of us might think, so wait a minute, there's people with the gift of giving, so do I have to give every Sunday? Do I have to give? I know part of churches, the tithe, do I actually have to do that? If there's people like, that's their gift, that they don't have, like, I don't have to do that anymore? Is that how it works? Well, no. Like, just like the person with the gift of giving still needs to serve, because what happens is, the person with the gift of giving many times thinks, well, I give, so I don't have to serve and help. And the person with the, with the serving says, well, I serve, so I don't have to give. Jesus didn't say, well, I guess since I'm going to give my life and die for you all, I'm not going to love you in return or help you or leave you the Holy Spirit or make sure you have everything you need to live your life. I'm just going to die for you and just be done and then ignore you. You know those people that just sort of do one thing, they're done with you, and then they don't want to have anything else to do with you? Jesus wasn't that. Jesus gave everything at all times. And so as we are serving, it's also part of us to be giving. And here's some practical ways. Here are some helpful guidelines for us as we give. Because I know some of us, we want to, but how many times have you ever wanted to give and you just forget? Anybody ever just forget the tithe? You just forget. It's just not important. It's just not that it's not important because it's important to you, but you just forget because you're not into a routine. I do that with the gym. I don't forget. I just, it's not important. It's currently not as important as it should. I think about it. I think about it. 
And my son thinks about it for me too. He's like, Dad, you need to go work out. Oh, oh yeah? Take me with you. No. I don't know if he doesn't, I don't know why. But here's some helpful tips. Determine to give no matter what your income is. So you're like, why only make like a little bit? Anything you give is a blessing to the Lord. In Corinthians it says, now concerning the collection for the saints as directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. Number two, planned and predetermined. Don't come like, oh, wait, whatever's in my pocket. Plan it. Predetermine it. I, mine, I set mine up, it comes out automatically. Every paycheck. So I get paid the 31st or something like that and the 15th. So on those days, it automatically comes out. Some people love to give by check. Because for them, it's like an act of just giving, and they love to do that. Neither one is better than the other. But it's being predetermined and having a plan. The last thing is our gifts, our giving should be proportionate. Some of us, we give more to Lifetime Fitness, to EOS, to Starbucks, to Verizon than we've ever thought to give to the Lord. Our streaming fees, if we were to add them all up, are way more than we've ever given to the Lord. Because we're like, well, God, you, I mean, everybody else has got to be giving. Yeah, that, that would be nice. But typically a church of whatever, however number, about 15% of the people that go actually give. And you may think, well, what does it go towards? Well, I can tell you this month our APS bill was about $2,000 alone. Yeah, that was tons of fun. I don't have to write that check. That just comes out automatically. APS is so faithful. They predetermine, and they are proportionate. They know. They are faithful, faithful, faithful. I'm actually going to go to the next APS meeting, um, the schedule, I think, next week. Anybody else going with me? Let's go party. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, you are not going to raise my rate. I doubt I'll have. I will have a voice, but will it be listened to? Who knows? I can be a stick in somebody's side. But what does it go to? Be proportionate. The Bible says start at 10%. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Old Testament says. The New Testament says be joyful in what you can give. Sometimes what we do is we don't, we just put it in the box. We don't write our name on it. And that's not for me to keep records. I don't see it. That goes to somebody, that goes to other people that see it and do all that. But the reason why you put your name on it is, one, for me, it's accountability. At the end of the year, I look and I go, that either I think that that's all. And I look at my, because tax season comes, and I see how much I made and I see how much I gave. One thing my wife and I, we try to do is we try to up it every year. God has been faithful every year. As you can see, I've never gone hungry. The Lord's faithful. How can you use your gift? Man, there's so many outreach, backpack drives, missions things, supporting the church, events that we do, special things, projects that we have here on campus that we want to do. There's so many things. But remember this. Your talents and your gifts are God's gift to you. What you do with them is his gift, is your gift to him. Next gift is the gift of leading. 
The gift of leading can be both verbal and nonverbal. Some leaders don't have to say a lot. They're just great leaders. People follow them. Some leaders say a lot, and they're great leaders, and they speak a lot. But this is one of the few gifts that is both either a non, is either verbal or nonverbal. Leading means organizing the truth. The word leading, it comes from the Greek meaning to lead, to assist, to protect, or to care for. My wife told me this definition. Leadership is taking initiative for the good of others. Taking the initiative for the good of others. A person with the gift of leading can motivate, inspire, organize, and direct others for God's work. They want to bring order to disorder for the most impact. Any of you know leaders like that? They love to bring order into disorder. They love to help get a group of people gathered together for a good cause. Anybody love to do that? I'm, I love to do that. I'm not a gift of leading. I mean, I guess I can lead, but um, that I just I love to see order going or from disorder going to order. I love to see it. I love to see a group of people for one purpose. Leaders are skilled in management people organizing, motivated by goals, and detail-orientated. Is that how you say that word? How do you say it? Oriented. I'm not the most eloquent. If this is your first time, I didn't get an A in English. Jesus was an example of a leader. There's a story of Jesus. He's feeding the 5,000. Some of you if you were given that task and 5,000 people showed up to eat, you would immediately panic. If you're the gift of service, you're like, just have everybody sit down and, and we'll just hand out the food and we'll figure out how it gets done. But a gift of leadership says, okay, let's have everybody sit in groups because it's easier to handle things one little piece at a time. So Jesus had them all sit into groups of like 50s and 100. And then it tells us in Mark that Jesus had them sit on green grass. A leader sees what needs to be done and then helps get it done in the most profitable and best way possible. Jesus was a gifted leader. Jesus saw the whole picture. He had a plan. And then he delegated to his disciples, I want each of you to take a group. And he was hospitable. Green grass. But with leadership, just like all the other gifts, there comes with its own hazards. Self-powered. They think that if they organize and place enough things on organization that they can depend on themselves. Here's the reality. None of these gifts, not a single gift can be done without the power of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. Without God in your life, without the Holy Spirit flowing through your life, you will do your gift. You will burn out. You will struggle. It will look like a hot mess. Sometimes you look like a hot mess and God's working through you. But without God, it's pointless and it won't work. But the person with the gift of leadership has got to depend on this even more. As Zachariah says, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Some other hazards are intimidation, impatient, procrastination, burnout, and lack of trust. But you are resourceful, detailed, a self-starter, and the church desperately needs you. Here at City View, we have a, a, a thing called the Leadership Pipeline. I think that's going to pop up right behind me. 
In the leadership pipeline, we, we see that, that people, there are people that God has gifted to be leaders in the church. And we don't want you just sitting in a seat. We want you to be help, we want to help you become a leader in whatever area that might be. And how it, how it starts here at City View is you start as a team member, meaning you get to know people and you're serving so you understand that team. And then a team member says, you know, I really want to be in leadership, or maybe we see leadership in you. And we ask if you'd be a team lead, a team lead oversees team members. And then as you become a great leader, as a team lead, we might ask you to become an area leader. You might say, hey, I, I want to oversee a whole area, a whole a, a place. We, ha- we have a pathway for this. We don't just throw it together. We have a purpose and a plan to help you develop and become the leader that God has made you into. So this is our pathway here at City View. And every area, belong group, city group, security, hello, usher, every area has the same leadership pipeline so that you can interchange and move depending on where you see your best fit. The last gift is the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy can also be verbal and nonverbal. Mercy means ministering the truth. The word mercy comes from the Greek, which means to be patient, to be compassionate towards those who are suffering or afflicted. A person with the gift of mercy, they're moved by human need. They are moved to help heal, deliver, and fix. Those with the gift of mercy, they're empathetic. They hurt when others hurt. They live more on their feelings level than most people. They are compassionate. Jesus was an example. When he saw that Mary and Martha's brother had passed away, Lazarus, it says that he saw them and it says he wept. Jesus had the gift of mercy. But just like all gifts, they all have their own hazards. A gift of mercy can easily become a rescuer. They can think they can rescue everybody from their situation that they're in. They can become indecisive. They carry what's not their own. They easily can become depressed because a gift of mercy takes that pain onto themselves. They can avoid conflict. And one of the other big hazards that's not here is, is they, you can easily become a man, want to please other, like make other people happy with you. You want everybody always to be happy with you. And so a mercy can easily just say, no, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And you can think you're mercy when in reality, you just don't want to ruffle any feathers. You could become, in, you're introspective and you're anxious. You can be. But you are attentive, sensitive, fair, and compassionate. And just like I've said, your gifts can be used in prayer ministry, discipleship, hospitality, premarital counseling, nursing, a nursery room, um, counsel. Because nursery room, you just you've got to have mercy to help a, a, a parent who just has that kid that's struggling. Remember this, church: your talents and your gifts are God's gift to you. What you do with them is your gift to God. How does this work? Each one of you has a gift. And it can be seen in how you teach a kid how to ride a bike. If you are a gift of prophecy, that's mine. I'm a gift of prophecy. Gift of prophecy teaches their kid to ride a bike like this. Okay, Ezra, here's your bike. The goal of the bike is to get from here to there. Go ride it. And you push them along their way, and you say, get it done. 
That's sort of prophet. They just tell it as it is. Black and white, that's your bike, go ride it. And if they fall, you say, get back on your bike. Let's go do it again. That's the gift of prophecy. How many of you are like, oh, that's me? A gift of service. A gift of service says, hey, Ezra, um, before you get on your bike, let me, let me check the tires. Let me make sure they're full of air. Let me make sure everything's greased. And let me make sure your brakes are working. Yeah, the brakes are working good. Um, so, okay, Ezra, so your, your seat, is it adjusted exactly where you need it? Okay, Ezra, now go ahead. That's a gift of service. A gift of teaching says, okay, Ezra, you got a bike for Christmas. It's still in the box in the garage. We're going to put it together so that you can learn every part about the bike so that you know how the bike works because it's important that you know what a bike does. So once the bike gets put together, okay, Ezra, this is the bike. So this right here is a seat. And a, a bicycle has, has two wheels and it, its purpose is to go forward. It has two brakes, one on the right and one on the left. One breaks the front tire, one breaks the back tire. So a gift of teaching is describing every single possible thing that that bike will do. I'm not a gift of teaching. Then there's a the gift of exhortation. That kid is riding the bike. You're doing such a great job. Good job, Ezra. You're riding the bike. Oh, you fell. It's going to be okay. Let's get back on it and let's go. Let's go, Ezra. You are the best bike rider I've ever seen in my entire life. That's an encourager. And then we have a leader, right? Is that next? No, a giver. Ezra, I see your bike. Ezra, you've outgrown your bike. Ezra, I'm going to buy you a brand new bike. What kind of bike do you want? Oh, you want to pivot? Well, that's an expensive bike, but I think I've saved enough money and we can get you that pivot. Let's go get you a new bike, Ezra. And you got the gift of leading. I might be doing these out of order. The gift of leading says, okay, Ezra, I've created our plan on where we're going to go on our bike ride today. We're going to go down the canal to 51st Avenue and Cactus, and then we're going to come up over to Bell Road. And then at Bell Road and 43rd Avenue, we're going to stop at that Circle K because it's got the best Mountain Dew. Um, and then after that, we're going to head back down to 67th Avenue. That, that's the gift of leadership. They have this plan. And then you have the gift of mercy. Ezra's learning to ride his bike, and Ezra falls. And the gift of mercy says, oh, my gosh, Ezra get up here, you bad bike. I hate you, bike. You hurt my son. And you pick up that little Ezra and you carry him inside. You say, Ezra, do you need a Band-Aid? And here's a popsicle, Ezra. You don't ever have to ride that mean bike again. That's a simple way of understanding your gift. God has given each of you your gift. How you use it is your gift to him. Does anybody have $100 that I can have? Trevor may have 100 bucks. It's for me? For you. Thank you. You can have your seat. You see, a follower of Jesus understands that they are blessed more than they can ever imagine. A follower of Jesus realizes that they deserve death over life. The follower of Jesus realizes that Jesus has a place for them. A follower of Jesus realizes that Jesus lived, he died. He gave his life on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven. 
the follower of Jesus realizes that they've done nothing to earn anything from him. But because of Jesus' death and because of his resurrection, we have the opportunity to have eternal life with him. So you might be thinking, why did Jeremiah just take? I didn't ask him to borrow this. I said, who has a hundred bucks that I could have? Why would I take it? I gave it to Trevor at the beginning of service. I said, Trevor, I'm going to ask for a hundred bucks. And at the end of it, when I say I need a hundred dollars, I need you to give it to me with no questions asked. You see, Trevor realized that in reality, this never was his. It was mine. Your gifts, your talents, your finances, they're not yours. God has given them to you. And he says, will you give them back to me? But what's so crazy with the Lord is when he gives back after we've given to him, he gives us more than we could ever imagine or think. He gives us the breath we breathe, the hope of security, the blessing of peace. Jesus gives us life. And it is because of him, because of what he gives, that we should so easily and freely give back. Your gifts and talents are God's gift to you. What you do with them are your gifts to him. God has gifted each and every one of you. And my challenge to you is find out, scan that barcode, go to the next step, next steps table and find out God, where just I might fit in. And as you get ready to serve, as a, when I grew up in my, in the home, my, at my parents' home, it was we went to service and we served a service. Sunday was a church thing. It wasn't a like, well, I go to one service. It, it was just what, what we always did. Sunday was church day. It wasn't football day. Now, do I still love football? I have season tickets. Do I miss out on the 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock games? I sure do. But I go to the 2 o'clock games. But serving is just what I do. Because the Lord has blessed me with so much. So why wouldn't I want to give back to him? Your gifts are God's gift to you. Don't sit on them. Give them away. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for giving us life, hope, peace. And Jesus, I ask, Lord, that we would use our gifts that you've given us, that we might share your hope with the rest of this world. Jesus, may we not sit on our gifts, but may we allow you to flow through us, Holy Spirit, so that we might bless those 
that we serve. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.